Hi, I'm Steve Duke, and this is the Two Roads Podcast. We're switching it up this week. We're going to do something a little different. I don't have a guest this week. It's just me. And I want to talk through something that I've become completely obsessed with over the last month or so. Something that's changed the way I think about my own life, uh, what I want to do with it, and how I'm going to figure all of that out. So that's what's in store for today's episode. Just me. Let's get into it. So I started the two roads to help people figure out what they want to do in life. And then to, of course, make that actually a reality for their own life. And I've been on this journey myself. And I'm going on this journey myself. And so before I dive into the meat of today's topic... I want to give a very, very brief overview of my own journey. I want to give you the context of where I've come from and what I'm up to, um, because I think it's helpful for this conversation for you to have at least a little bit of that context. So I grew up in Wexford in Ireland, uh, kind of a small, medium-sized town in the country. I went to school, like everybody else, and then went to uni, and I studied mechanical engineering at uni. So I was a pretty straighty 180 student, a little bit of a teacher's pet at times maybe, and I did well at school, did, when it, did well at uni. But when I was in uni, um, I realized that I actually wasn't mad about engineering. So when you know my fellow students were geeking out over bridges and engines in their free time, I was not. I was much more interested in just you know playing rugby or watching rugby or hanging out with the lads or... Basically anything other than that. So engineering was fine. I liked the math and the physics side of it, but I never loved it. I was never passionate about it. And I think that held me back a bit from being very good at it because I just I didn't really care. Like I kind of went to the classes and did, studied and did the exams, but I was never really into it. And I think especially in the later years of college, I think to be really good, you have to be into it. You can't get away with it with, you know, just doing a bit of study here and there. Anyway... So I knew I didn't want to be an engineer, so I decided to go down the path of becoming a management consultant, which is pretty typical um, for any student who doesn't know what they want to do. And actually not a bad choice at all. I think it's actually a pretty good one for people who don't know what they want to do with their lives. The reason I wanted to get into this initially was because I went to a careers fair and I was really big into suits at the time, you know, Harvey Specter and, and Mike Ross. And there was these two guys at the career fair who looked really slick. They were in these really nice, like, blue suits with crisp white T-shirts. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want that job. I can't be a lawyer. Um, So I'll have that job instead. So that's kind of how I first got interested in McKinsey and management consulting. Um, But then I actually did, you know, find interest in it and really enjoyed the the problem-solving elements of it. So my path from there looked like join McKinsey, did two years there and then left and went to a health startup in Dublin. So McKinsey basically have this program where after a couple of years, you can get what's called an offer to return. So you can go do a internship or do, you know, go to business school or something like this. And you can kind of come back. You've got an open offer to come back to work at McKinsey. So it's a no brainer. I took it, went, worked at a health startup in Dublin and I was a bit of a jack of all trades and then I ended up working in marketing somehow, no idea, but enjoyed it. Moved to Australia and then I joined a company called Wayflyer who were a fintech startup, pretty early days and I worked there for about three years. So my I kind of had two main jobs at that startup. So first, um, my job was as a generalist, I would say, to expand the business into Australia, so open up the business in Australia and New Zealand. And then I moved into a role in the marketing department. Um, So I became head of marketing and built up that uh, department globally. And then in November last year, 2022, I was let go from Wayflower. And that was a big shock. Uh, Like most people who've been let go, of course, it's a big shock. And I suddenly had all this time on my hands and all these options and I had no idea really what to do. So 
think about, you know, those, what, six years or so out of uni, I've tasted lots of different jobs, from big companies at McKinsey to smaller companies and startups, different types of roles. And I've loved that. But throughout that whole time, I never felt like any of them was really my calling. Never felt like any of them were something that I could see myself staying in for a really long time, you know, five, 10, 15 years and building a career in them. Just none of them ever felt like that. And so when I was feeling like this, I was constantly asking myself the question, what should I do? What should I do? This is always what was coming up with me. What should I do with my life? What should I do with my life? And it became a pretty heavy thing where I was, you know, constantly in these circles of questioning it. And I'd go on a holiday, sit by the pool. And as this question swirled around my head, it was, you know, it was always with me. It was like a little bird on my shoulder just pecking at me, reminding me that I wasn't doing something that I really loved. I was really passionate about passionate about and that maybe I should be doing something else and I know I'm not the only one who goes you know through moments like this where they're really questioning what they're doing maybe you're the same maybe you're not maybe you've had moments like that in the past and this was going on for years and years and so since November when I got let go I've obviously had a lot more time on my hands and it felt like the perfect time to finally answer that question so to get that bird that was on my shoulder grab it and actually have a direct conversation with it and rather than just you know telling it to shut up and you know hoping that it goes away sit down and tackle it straight on have a conversation and see what I can come up with and so in November I came up with a very very rough plan and looked like this I was going to take six months off and I was going to drive around Australia on my own that was step one and step two was that during that time, I was going to figure out what I wanted to do with my life. Great. Super plan. Off I went. January this year, off I went, packed all my stuff up into the car and started driving off. But after a few weeks on the road, I realized that this plan didn't really work. It was, don't get me wrong, it was great to have the space and the time to reflect on things, reflect on the last few years and kind of connect with myself and my own emotions and how I was feeling. But it didn't actually get me much closer to figuring out what I wanted to do. It's kind of like I'd been, you know, if I was a boat, I'd been let out of the port to sail around the open seas, which was great, but then quickly realised I'd no map, no compass, and I was just going around in circles. So I wasn't really getting any closer to figuring out what I wanted to do. And then I had a chat that changed all that. And it was in Melbourne and it was with Alicia Conlon Hurd, who I interviewed on episode three of this show. And during that chat, Alicia recommended a book to me and I read it and it completely blew me away. The book's called Designing Your Life and it gave me a structure to tackle this question of what I should do with my life. So it didn't just give me the map and the compass. It gave me a full-on GPS that I could use to navigate myself around this question and figure out what I want to do. And so for the last few weeks since I read the book, I've been following it step by step. It's been incredible. It's been so helpful. And I've learned so much about myself and what I want to do. And I really feel like I now have a process and a structure to tackle this question. And so, anyway, all that is to say that in this episode, I want to bring you through what I've learned from this book. I want to share the insights, the mindset shifts that I've had, and the very practical steps and exercises that can take you from, I've no idea what to do, to have a happy life through to I know the path I want to follow and I know how I can make it work for me. So here we go. As I said, the book is called Designing Your Life and it's written by these two guys called Bill Burnett and Dave Evans. They're two Stanford professors and they ran a class in Stanford on this topic for many, many years. And so the book is based on what they've learned from that class and the structure that they put together in that class. And I think all you need to know about them is that they're really credible, they're really smart, and there's no bullshit with them. There's not, it's not airy, fairy, self-helpy at all. It's very tangible and really well-structured. 
and I like that and I really trust them and the process that they've developed. And so there's one big idea in this book and that is that you can design your life to bring you happiness and all the things that you want from it. And we'll get into what all that means but the main thing is that you can have agency, you can have control and if you follow a process you can actually figure it out what it is that you want in your life and then make that happen and you don't have to be left hoping that stuff is going to fall into place for you. So they open the book saying that a well-designed life is a life that is generative. It's constantly creative, it's productive, it's changing, evolving and there's always a possibility of surprise. You get out of it more than you put into it and there's a lot more to life than lather rinse, repeat. And I love that. I think that's a really nice way to to think about a life well lived. And the book is the process for designing your life. And I've adapted it slightly for the purpose of this podcast. So I've cut out the last few steps, which are around you know networking and finding your job, because one, I believe they're separate topics to actually figuring out what you want to do. And two, they're kind of the easier parts anyway. So I'll probably cover them on a future pod, but I've Cut it out of this because I want to keep this podcast episode just focused on how to figure out what it is you want to do. All right, so there's six steps and I'm going to jump into them and describe each of those six steps for you now. So step one. Step one is creating your life dashboard. So are you ready for an extremely cheesy reference? Okay, good. Here it is. It's completely and utterly pointless to try figure out where you want to go if you don't know where you are now i know it's cheesy but it's it's really true so step one is all about figuring out where you are now here's how it works get a sheet of paper and write down these four words health work joy and love those four words now for each one Write a few paragraphs describing how things are going in each area. Use specific details, but, you know, don't, like, be succinct. Don't just ramble on forever. And so for each of them, say for health, think about your physical health, your mental health, and your spiritual health, all aspects of your health. For work, write about any work that you do, stuff that you get paid for, also any unpaid work, like managing a home or volunteering somewhere. For... Joy, think about any times that you feel joy. That can be in, you know, playing a game or um, playing a sport or, you know, watching something on the TV or playing with your kids or something just where you feel that real raw joy and happiness. And then finally for love, think about all of the elements, the different elements of love that you have in your life. So obviously that could be with a romantic partner, could be with family, kids um, and friends as well and think about those different parts of love and 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 write about them and how they're going then the next step is to review your paragraphs and give each one of them a score out of 10 for how well it's going in your life right now and what you'll have then is a life dashboard where you've got four categories and each of them will have a score out of 10 for how you're doing now take a look at it take a look at the dashboard take a look at what you've written and reflect on it. Is there anything here that surprised you? I know there certainly was for me. Um, and are there anything, any questions that come up thing, or things that you want to tackle? So for me, you know, there was a category that I scored quite low on that I wasn't thinking about. And I was like, gee, I really need to, I really need to tackle this one. This is, you know, I hadn't really thought about this, but I need to make sure that whatever I do next really improves my score here because it's kind of been lagging a little bit. And so now you know where you are. You know the areas where you're already doing pretty well, you're satisfied in, you're getting eights, nines, maybe tens, and you know the areas where you want to improve. So I found this a super helpful task. My biggest recommendation for you when you're doing it is to be honest with yourself. Write honestly. Write about the good stuff and the bad stuff. Don't bullshit yourself. You're just cheating, okay? So... Give yourself an honest assessment of where you are in each of those four categories of your life. Right, that's step one. Moving on to step two. So step two is building a compass. 
and it's about your work and life philosophies. So don't worry, there's no Play-Doh, no philosophers are actually going to be involved in this exercise. And it's an exercise I found super helpful. So one of the principles in this book is that you should live a coherent life. And what does that mean? Well, it means that you live a life where who you are, what you believe, and what you are doing are all in alignment. And when you live a coherent life, you feel like all these parts of your life are moving together. Everything's working together. Now, when you live an incoherent life, it's the opposite. In an incoherent life, it might look like this. You might believe that we should leave the world a better place. That's a belief you have. But in terms of what you do on a day-to-day basis, you might work for an oil company. right? And that's a very extreme, crude example. I actually didn't even mean that crude pun. Um, but you get the point. And another one which is maybe a little softer, it might be that, you know, you really believe in the importance of family and of spending quality time with your kids. But you work at a job that requires you to spend a lot of time away from home and your family. And this just feels gross. And there's there's conflict there. And it might be surface conflict that you notice every single day or it might just be sitting underneath, right? So I used to work at a job that had ridiculously strict rules about when you had to be in work, right? It was rigid nine to six, no working from home, no leaving five minutes early. And that was just the policy of the company. Whereas my belief is that people should have freedom to do what they want in life and what and that they should be trusted, really, to make good decisions. So this wasn't a massive thing, but there was clearly a bit of a clash in terms of my values and what it was actually happening in work and and what I was doing each day. So the exercise that can help you make sure that you're living a coherent life and avoid these conflicts or incoherencies is understanding your work and life philosophies. So here we go. Here's how you do it. You're going to physically write down your philosophy for work and your philosophy for life. So take some paper out and literally do this, right? So let's start with your work philosophy. Write down everything you believe about work. What's work for? Why do you do it? What makes work good? What makes it bad? Any thoughts that you have on the role of work? Do that. Maybe write a page, write two pages, however much you want. And then move on to your life philosophy. And here you're going to write down everything you believe about the world and how it works what it means, what gives life value, how your individual life relates to others, the role of money in a meaningful life, the value that you place on growth and experience, the role of God and religion, if there's something that you believe in, the role of family, of friends. What does life mean to you? And know that sounds airy-fairy, but trust me, when you actually start writing it down, it's, it's really nice and it's a really helpful thing to do. And you don't need to worry about getting it right. You know, there's no right answer here. It's just about what you actually believe about the role of work and the meaning of a good life for you. And so my top tip for getting the most out of this, because I've done this um, two weeks ago, is first do a first draft where, you know, you basically just throw down all your initial thoughts for your work philosophy and your life philosophy. Throw them down on a page, just stream of consciousness stuff. Then, over the coming days, stuff will start to come to you about each of them. You'll go, oh, actually, do you know, I also think this about work, or I also think of this about life. And then you can go back and you can add them on or you can amend stuff because it kind of takes a while for the gears to start turning in your head to what you actually think about these two topics. So once you've got to a point where, you know, you're pretty happy with them, you've got them written down, read them both back. And read them in detail. Read them side by side. And ask yourself, where are they coherent? Where do they work together? But more importantly, where do they clash? Are there any areas where your work philosophy and your life philosophy are in conflict? Conflict. (laughs) And it may happen. It may mean that to create a coherent life, you're going to need to edit either your work philosophy or your life philosophy. Because if there's a clash there, it's going to be really difficult for you to get both, you know? And that's really worth considering. Um, I'm going to make one up here, but if you have, say, something in your work philosophy, which is 
you know, I really want to earn a ton of money and work is about working hard and putting in, you know, really solid hours and dedicating yourself completely to your work and that that is the priority in your life. And then on the life side of things, you have all these beliefs around the role of family or things that you should do outside of work. Suddenly there's a bit of a conflict there, right? Like it's not going to be realistic that you're going to be able to have both of those. Maybe you can, maybe you can, maybe you're a super person and you can, but it's just worth looking at those and seeing if there's a conflict there and if there's anything that you want to address. So once you've got your work and life philosophy and you feel that they're coherent, that's going to give you an accurate compass and it's going to help give you like a true north really for the direction of where you want to take things. And so that's the end of step two. And then you can move on to step three, which is a really, really fun step. So step three, make your good time journal. Exercises one and two, they're about finding your home point and getting a compass, right? It's about knowing where you are now and getting clear on your philosophies and life and work. Now the process shifts a bit to looking forward, to start the path on figuring out what you want to do. And so exercise three is this idea of creating a good time journal. So here's something I've heard a lot or certainly a good bit from people, which is that work isn't supposed to be enjoyable. That's why it's called work. It's something that you just do so that you can live the rest of your life outside of work. Now, that can work for some people. Personally, I think it's total bullshit. You're going to spend a good chunk of your life at work. And to think that it's something that you're just going to do and be a bit miserable at during all this time is pretty sad to me. And I think it's a sad way to look at life. And it just doesn't have to be this way. There's so many jobs out there now that there's a pretty good chance you can find something where you will actually enjoy it and you won't be miserable. And the book has a great way to reframe this belief. They say that enjoyment is a guide to finding the right work for you. And if you can pay attention to what you enjoy and you can listen to those signals, then you can use them to guide yourself to the right career. So what do you actually do in step three? So you're going to make this good time journal. And here you're going to write down any activity, anything that you do on a certain day where you feel good. It can be anything, big or small, work, not work, doesn't matter. And the easiest way to think about this is record any activity where you feel one of the following. Engagement, energy, or flow. Now let's go through each of those three. So engagement. This is when something makes you sit up and listen in. You, you, you just switch on a bit. You get focused or you get excited. It might be a certain meeting, maybe most meetings, you know, you're on Zoom and you're kind of half on your phone, half watching Netflix, half, you know, doing the laundry. But then if there's something that actually makes you go, oh, wow, no, this, I, I actually, I really want to listen to this. I'm, I'm, I'm engaged in this. I'm fully switched on. That's a good thing to note down, right? That's something where you probably feel good. The second one is energy. So this is when you feel alive, you've got a buzz. When you finish the activity, you've actually got more energy than what you started with, right? I had this after a recent podcast interview that I did, actually the one with Alicia. And at the end of it, I was just vibrating with energy. I wanted to keep going. I wanted to do more work. I was super motivated. I just wanted to get moving. I had so much energy. And that was a really good, that was something that went in my good time journal, right? I was like, I got so much energy from this activity. And then the third one is flow. Now, I think, I really think this is the most important of all three. So what's flow? I feel like the best description of flow is to say something similar to what a US Supreme Court justice was asked when he was asked to describe pornography. And he said, I can't describe it, but I know it when I see it. And that's exactly how I think about flow. I know when I'm in flow. And it's a bit difficult to describe, but I know when I'm in flow. Maybe you know too, right? For me, it's when I lose track of time, when I don't get distracted at all. Don't check my phone or wander onto those Chrome tabs of distraction like LinkedIn and Twitter where I go when I'm bored. 
Other people describe it as experiencing complete involvement in an activity. So having a sense of euphoria almost. And it typically occurs when you do have that complete involvement, but also your skill level matches the activity. It's not too easy for you, which can cause boredom, or it's not too hard because that just causes anxiety. So being in flow is this really great signal for something that you may want to do with your job. Personally, if I could be in flow for four to six hours a day in my job, that sounds like absolute heaven. I've had a couple of those days over my life where whatever it was I was doing at work, I just was in flow to the point where I you know, forgot to eat, forgot to have lunch, wasn't sitting around and, you know, it suddenly was 7 p.m. I was like, what the hell happened today? And it was great. I was just fully present. And that, for me, is an awesome, awesome day. So you're going to look at those three different things, engagement, energy, flow. See when you feel those during something that you're doing. And so the easiest way to do this is to start a section in your notebook or your notes on your phone or your laptop, whatever. And every time you have a moment like this, just jot it quickly down. Because I find it's way easier to do this than to sit down and try and think back on, you know, days and months ago where you felt these moments. Much easier to just note them uh, when you notice them. And so every time you record a moment where you feel good, where you feel good, I then want you to zoom in on it, right? So what were the exact parts of the experience? where you felt good. Get really granular here because that's going to help you tease out really, really what it is that you like. And a great method that they have in the book to help you do this, to zoom in, is what they call the A-E-I-O-U method. And so what is this? It's five elements of an activity that can help you learn more about it. So A is activity. What were you actually doing? Was it something structured? Was it unstructured? Were you leading something? Were you speaking? Were you writing? What was it you were doing? E is for environment. So where were you? What kind of place was it? How did it make you feel? And I was surprised how important this was to me. I never really thought about it, but I remember, you know, I used to work when I was at McKinsey and we'd often be put in these really dingy back spare rooms in the middle of nowhere and on client site. And it's pretty bleak. And it's not nice if you compare that to, you know, working from a really nice home office or working from a coffee shop. That can be really stimulating for people. Um, so environment is actually quite important and does have a big impact in terms of uh, how much you enjoy a certain activity. I is for interaction. So what were you interacting with? Were you interacting with people or was it machines? Was it a real formal interaction or something a bit more informal? O is objects. So what physical objects were you using? Were you on your laptop, on your phone? Maybe were you writing in your notebook? Or are you actually doing something, you know, outside with physical objects that was much more, you know, tactile? For me, when I was working on my Jeep, getting my car ready for this big trip, that was, I was working a lot with like different physical objects and obviously the car and I actually really, really enjoyed that. And then U is for users. So basically that means like who, right? Who else was there? And what role did they play in the activity? And did they make a negative or positive experience out of it? And why, right? So this is kind of like, what types of people do you actually like to work alongside? So this is something that you can build over time, right? So keep this journal of times where you felt energized, engaged, or that you were in flow, and then write as much as you can using that A-E-I-O-U method to zoom in on it. And then alongside that, wherever you keep it, keep some notes where you reflect on what you're learning from this. Are there any common themes cropping up that are going to be helpful for you, right? And so when you've done step three, and this is an ongoing process, you'll start to get this really good idea of, hey, these are all the things that I like. And it might only happen that you have one of them in a day or one of them in a week, right? But the whole purpose of this is that as you move on through step four, five, six, that you're going to start to craft potential paths, potential lives where actually you can have way more of those moments in any given day. And so that brings us on to step four, which is generating life ideas. So you've got a foundation of where your life's at. You've got a solid understanding of your philosophies around work and life that kind of gives you a North Star. And now you know what sort of activities you like and you know in detail what you like about them. 
So now it's time to start coming up with ideas for what you could do. And this is probably the most fun step, right? So the way to do this is start with the output from your good time journal and pick an area where you felt energized. Write it down on a piece of paper and it's going to be the center of a mind map. And around that activity, start to generate a bunch of connected ideas around it. It could be just words, random concepts, anything. It doesn't need to be a specific job. It can just be anything related to that activity that you were doing. So let's say you were saying, oh, I really, let's say the activity was that you gave a big presentation at work. Okay, well, then that can be talking, speaking, stage, um, performance, and, and they're even some of the closer literal ones. But like start to branch around those and see where you get to. And so you have to switch off the part of your brain here that says, you know, that's stupid, that will never work, or you can't do that. Just switch that off for a while. And so once you've done that for everything where you felt energized, do the same for engaged or do the same for when you're in flow, right? Now, this is, this is kind of the, the by-the-book method for doing this. Um, personally, I actually didn't do it exactly like this. I just take my good time journal and I start to randomly come up with ideas around it. I don't like mind maps, personally. They're just something that has never worked with, with my mind and how, how I think. So I just write down loads of random ideas all over a page, right? Um, but you can also do it step by step, taking each an activity from you know the energized section, the engaged section, the flow section, and, and blowing them out through a mind map, right? And one thing that's really helpful when you're doing this whole thing is if you have a group of people who you can actually do it with, right? So these might be people that you know or you don't know. It doesn't really matter, but just some people who are going to support you through this process because you can bring them in here and they can help you come up with more ideas as well. They might know of jobs or careers that you've never even heard of. And that's actually one of the goals of this podcast, right, is to make people aware about the different potential paths that are out there, even if you haven't heard of them. Because, of course, you can't pursue a path if you don't know that exists. And so I'm actually, this is worth noting, if you are interested in going through this process, I'm creating groups of people who are going through it as well. And so I'm going to form some groups so that people can go through this process and have a bit of a support group for each other where they can bounce ideas off, hold each other accountable, and really just listen to each other and help them through this process. So if you're interested, DM me on Instagram at um, handle is two roads pod or find me on LinkedIn with my name, just Steve Duke. And just send me a DM, say that you're interested and you want to go through this. And then I'll make sure that we find a really good group that can help you through this. Uh, because it, it's, it's really helpful to go through this with um, with some people. So anyway, whether you've done the mind map section or not, what you now have is you've got this big list of potential wild ideas. And what you're going to do now is just let your emotions take over for a bit. So try and suspend your rational thinking brain and look at all these things that you've jotted down at the page and see what jumps out. What ones are you attracted to? The ones that really appeal to you. And they should be obvious. The ones you're drawn to. And just don't think about it too much, right? And maybe you want to, maybe there's a couple that are similar and you want to bunch together and circle them on the page, right? So now your output of this is that you've got these very wide ranging list of ideas and concepts of things that you might want to do and you can start to form them into three to five potential paths that you could pursue and we're going to use them in the next step so that brings us to step five and step five is called odyssey planning so what you're going to do now is with the output of your mind maps or your idea generations, where you've got three to five potential different jobs or paths that you might want to do. You're now going to explore what each one of those paths looks like over the next five years of your life. And we do five years because they make the great point in the book, anything more than five years is just too hard to predict. Too many things can happen in five years that you won't be able to predict. And there's really no point planning for stuff that far ahead 
and to you know shorter than five years doesn't really give you a chance to actually develop this path and develop this life so you want to look at a five-year period and so you're going to do a few things the first is build a timeline for if you went down this path if you did this thing what would that timeline look like over the five years and this is not just a timeline of work-related stuff it's everything so it's personal non-career events you know do you want to be married do you want to have kids do you want to go um compete in a certain sporting event do you want to run a marathon um, do you want to bend spoons with your mind do you want to learn an instrument and when would that fit in across that five years second thing you're going to do is give the name of this path or, or give this path a name right and give it a, a little description something catchy and um, a little headline that you're going to use to refer to this then you're going to note down questions that this path is throwing up for you right what are the open questions in the timeline that you'll need to investigate to learn about these different possibilities and learn the different things about yourself and the world and so it's basically kind of like um the things that you'll want to test to know that this is a path that you want to go down right before you can say yep i want to go that what are the open questions that you have And then you're going to give yourself another little dashboard on it where you're going to have a few things. So you're just going to have basically resources, likability, confidence, and coherence. And so basically what that means is resources. Do you have objectively the resources to pull off this path? Do you have the time? Do you have the money, the skill, the contacts, whatever it is that you need? Where do you rank from zero to 100? And if you rank at zero, that's fine. It doesn't mean you can't do this path. You just need to be realistic about what it's going to take to build up those things. Second one is likability. How much are you attracted to this? Is this something that, you know, you when you go to bed and if you were to do this path, you're super excited about? Or is it maybe a little bit colder? Third one is confidence it's a bit related to resources but how confident do you feel that you can pull this off right or are you pretty uncertain actually that this can this can be pulled off again doesn't matter if this is super super low it's just about being aware of where you lie on this on this spectrum and then the fourth one is coming back to our point around coherency so does this plan make sense for your life for your work philosophy and for your life philosophy is it consistent right and so when you do that you're going to have a really good idea for you know your three to five paths you'll actually have mapped them out in detail and you'll see what that life would look like if you were to follow it and so doing this exercise this exercise reminded me of some of the advice that rose radford gave during episode two where she was obsessed about getting practical with your ideas so if there's something you want to do but you're like, oh, I can't do that, or I could never do that. Get really practical and write down, well, exactly why can't you do it? What are the exact reasons? Is it that you don't have the resources? Okay, what resources? Is it time? Is it money? Is it skills, contacts? What are the specific things stopping you from achieving this? And once you get practical with something, you can then decide if there are problems that you can solve or not. And if you do want to go solve them, you know exactly what it is that you're trying to solve, right? So I love that idea in this step of getting super practical. And so when you've got these three to five paths, share these odyssey plans, as they're called, with your support group, right? So you're kind of presenting them as potential life paths you could go down. And you want to give them some guidance, which is that they're not to critique or review or advise. Their job isn't to say, oh, that's a stupid path. You can't do that. Jesus, you'd never be able to do that. Or, really? You want to do that? That, that, that sounds mad. Why would you ever want to do that? That's not the, the, the point of this, right? So you want to give them some guidance so that they can be helpful. But really, they're there to help you explore each path in more detail. Essentially, that means they shouldn't be telling you things. They should actually be asking you questions, right? They should be saying, tell me a bit more about this. Like, why do you... You know, you say that your resources are really low. Do you think that that's that's really true for this path? Or um, tell me more about this path. Why is it that it's so attractive to you? And that's the way that they're going to be really helpful, right? 
So that's step five. Now you've got three to five potential life paths. It's gotten really practical now. You've taken it from, you know, writing dashboards and writing bloody philosophy down to having three or five really concrete paths that you're going to be able to actually explore. And one of these is probably or could be what you end up doing. And so that brings us on to the final step, which is step six. And this is called life prototyping. So steps one to five, as I said, they... they are really, really important, but they're still words on paper. They're ideas in your head. And if you don't take step six, that's all they ever will be. It's just ideas and words on paper. And we've all done that. We've all written down random lists or whatever at some point and never actually taken them into our life. Our lives. And you know, that's useless, right? That doesn't get you where you want to go. So step six is where we prototype our potential life paths. And this blew my mind the first time I listened to this chapter. So why did it blow my mind? Because my belief was that I could just research and write and analyse my way into making a decision about what life path I want to go. I just needed more data and then I could make a call. That's what I thought. And if I did this at work, if I had this approach at work, right, where I would just analyse my way to an answer, I would have fired myself, right? In work, the approach I always take is to take follow the test and learn approach. You got an idea, great. Take action. Go test it out. See what you learn. And in life design, you should do the same. So prototyping is about asking a question, testing it in real life, and then learning from it. So you're going to take each of your Odyssey plans and prototype them. Test the parts of your plan you're least certain about. That's a good place to start. So let's say you're considering a job in sales. You know it comes with a lot of pressure and targets. But, you know, you've had a super high pressure job in the past, so you're good with that. You're all good with that part of the sales path. Don't prototype that part if you're comfortable with it. Now, cold calling, that's something that you've never done and you're not sure how you'll feel about it. Well, there you go. That's where you should prototype right so what you're doing is now that's looking at a specific question that popped up in the life path but you can also just go and test the whole bloody thing right and so there's three ways to prototype the first one is prototyping conversations the second one is shadowing and then the third one is what i call doing the thing so in prototyping conversations This is essentially what a regular episode of the Two Roads podcast looks like. It's about learning about someone's story. And so here you're going to find someone doing the thing that you want to do on one of your Odyssey plans. And you interview them. You ask them out for coffee or have a call with them. And you ask them lots of questions about what their life is actually like. And you want to go deep here. You really want to learn what their whole life is like. Because, you know, your life depends on it. Well, it doesn't really, but you know what I mean. You, you you don't just treat these as a casual coffee chat. Really kind of dig a bit. And so I've got a couple of tips here for how to get the most out of these prototyping conversations. So the first is don't settle for surface level. People are usually conservative with the first answer that they have. They usually have this kind of canned response that they're ready for most questions. Don't accept it. Don't accept this first canned response surface level answer and so a couple of tricks to get past this surface level answer the first is when you ask them something and they respond and you feel like they've just given you the surface level answer just stay silent for a little while when they finish talking just just don't say anything don't jump in with the next the next question or a response most people hate silences and so very often what they'll do is They'll just keep talking and they'll end up going to another level of depth and you've already, you know you've gotten them past the surface level answer and you're learning a bit more. Another trick is to simply just say, tell me more about that. And people often then get to the second level or the third level and they'll just keep going deeper. And don't be afraid to use that a few times because you do want to go down to those deeper levels of what somebody's life is actually like ask why a lot that's a really good way to get past the surface level as well now in these prototyping conversations my second tip i have is to ask about their whole life not 
just their job. You want to know what their whole life is like. So even though it's the career that you're mainly interested in, this is the thing that, you know, you're going to make a decision on whether to pursue or not. You want to know how that career impacts all parts of their life. Think back to your life dashboard, right? You want to know about not just the work part, but the health and the joy and the love elements of somebody's life. And will this career allow you to achieve what you want in your life dashboard? And that's what you want to learn from this conversation. Okay, so that's prototyping element number one or prototyping method number one, which is prototyping conversations. Number two is shadowing. So this is like you're back in school on work experience. Find somebody who's, you know, down this path that you're considering and ask if you can shadow them for a day or a week. You will learn so much from this. I remember I did this in school. I wanted to be a doctor, right, when I was about 16. And my auntie was a doctor and she very kindly got me a week's work experience. And I went in and I met her in the hospital. And then every day she had me set up to go to a different area of the hospital and hang with that person. And I got to go to the radiology department and I got to see surgeries and the emergency department. And after a week's work experience, I realized there was nothing more in the world I would have hated than to be a doctor. I hated hospitals. They literally grossed me out. I Just talking about, you know, environments as a place to work. I couldn't stand being there. And I also don't really like sick people, which is a pretty big component about being a doctor. So that week saved me you know, six years of medical school and a lifetime of doing a job I wouldn't enjoy. So I actually did life prototyping back then all the way before I knew what it was. So if you can shadow somebody, I'd really recommend it. And then the third way, which is the best and you're going to learn the most from it, is to do the thing. This is straightforward. Just go and do the thing. For me, I thought for a long time that, you know, maybe I want to build a media brand, a media organization. And so... I was also interested in this idea of coaching and figuring out what you want to do in your life. And it's something I've been thinking about for a long time. And so it's been going on for literally years. And then one day I was like, right, I should just do this. And so that's why I started the two roads. I just wanted to go and do the thing. And if this doesn't work out in the future, that's okay. Because I've already learned so much. Because you just do the thing. I know now, you know, this is my eighth episode that I've recorded, I know now that I actually do really like this as something to do. Like, it's a fun activity for me. I get energy from it. I'm engaged by it. I also know there's parts of it that I don't enjoy. And so if I do want to continue this, I need to make sure that I find ways not to do those parts and do more the ones that I enjoy. Now, this doing the thing um, can be a bit harder for certain paths. If one of your Odyssey plans is to be a surgeon, I don't recommend it that you know you don't want to go out and start cutting people up um so that's why you can maybe just stick to the shadowing if you want to be a surgeon or or something like that so this is going to be an iterative approach right these this prototyping and that's the whole point right the whole point of this book is about design and using design thinking as a way to come up with your life so you know steps one through six they have been quite linear but what happened what may happen and probably will happen is that once you start prototyping stuff, you'll learn stuff and you'll go back and you'll realize that actually, you know, I was more interested in this and I'm going to adapt one of my Odyssey plans and now I want to go and prototype that again. And that's great. It's going to be this constant process, right? So there are the six steps and I'm kind of about two thirds of the way through right now and I found it one incredibly enjoyable it's actually so nice to sit down and write down some of these things two it's very productive and helpful it's moved me forward it stopped me you know wandering around in circles and it's actually progressing me and it's giving me a toolkit as well it's not just that i'm going to land at the end of this with an answer and go hooray i can go and you know start my new life path whatever that might be 
it's given me a toolkit that I'll be able to apply again and again because this is an iterative process, right? And so they're the six steps. And there's a few things that I'm just going to leave you with to help you get the most out of this if you do decide to go and do it. The first is that remember it's a process, right? You're a designer when you're thinking about designing your life and you're not going to think your way forward. You're going to build your way forward as a designer, right? And it's going to be an iterative process where you're going to have to go back and do it again and refine your questions, refine your hypotheses, refine your prototypes and build, build, build. And that's the way to move forward. So don't get frustrated if you don't get the right answer. You know, you don't suddenly land on a a career path that you're obsessed with. The second piece of advice I'd give you is recruit a team. So as I was saying, having a group of people that you can go through this with is really, really helpful, especially if they're doing the exercise alongside you. I'm forming these groups with other listeners of this podcast. So if you're interested, do DM me on LinkedIn or Instagram. The third one is be curious. So to get the most out of this, you'll need to be a bit of an explorer to ask weird questions of yourself. And if you're curious to what the answers might be, it's going to get you to a broader range of outcomes and ultimately better answers. Number four is have a bias to action. There are theoretical elements of this process, but you have to go and do stuff. You have to prototype stuff. You have to get out there. You have to talk to people having this bias to action is going to help you get the most out of it. And then number five, I mentioned this earlier, be honest with yourself. It's not easy. Sometimes when you go through this, you're going to have to look at parts of your life that you're not that happy with or parts of yourself that you're not too chuffed with. And that's fine. Everybody has those parts of their own lives or themselves. But the only real mistake you can make is to try and cover them up or to not address them and pretend they're not there. Because whether you like it or not they are and at least if you're honest with yourself and you address them then you can you know design a life and design a path around them so if you are following this process or you do any of the exercises here please let me know like i really care about this and i really really care about helping people figure out what they want to do with their lives and then making that a reality And I care about creating groups around it to help as well. So do shoot me a DM if you're going through it. Also, let me know what you think about this format where I don't have guests. I'm going to continue to have guests on because I think it's a really great way to prototype different lives and to get inspiration from other people's life paths and their careers and to learn more about what their jobs look like. But if this is a helpful format, I may do more of it in the future if it's something that people like and one thing i'm considering is giving regular updates on where i am in this process of designing my own life so if you think that would be interesting do just let me know i really want as much feedback especially in the early stages of this podcast because that's what's going to help me and help me build it and help me improve it and help me make it more helpful and more entertaining um, for the audience so next episode we'll be back on the regular structure of having guests on the show and I'm very excited. We've got some I've got some really, really cool guests booked in for the next like five or six episodes. So it's gonna be back to regularly scheduled programming and I hope you have a bloody awesome week and I will see you next time.